The topic of abortion is one that is wrought with uh, a lot of confusion, but also a lot of emotion, and rightfully so. So from the beginning of today's episode, I, I want to extend a hand of grace and love to anyone who's been affected by this. This podcast is not meant to be condemning or anything like that, and as you listen, you will see that for yourself. But I do want to start this episode um, by saying that up front, because my guest on the show, Allison Sintafonte, who is the uh, Director of External Affairs at Live Action, which is a pro-life media movement, uh, she is going to expose a lot of lies about the abortion industry and about uh, Planned Parenthood and, and different things uh, surrounding this topic. And she, she's going to pull no punches, but she does so in a loving, gracious way. And uh, at the end of the day, she's speaking the truth. And so I hope you'll, you'll find it uh, informative but also beneficial and uh, reconciling if you've been affected by this issue uh, listen all the way through I mean, it ends on a really good note I think you'll uh, definitely enjoy it but I was extremely happy to have Allison come on it was uh, a topic that I think is very important that we address um, not only as American citizens but also as Christians I think it's uh, important for us to, to stand up for this issue stand up on this issue and, and speak the truth and to do so in a loving uh, winsome way and I think Allison does a great job of that as well as all the folks over at Live Action. Before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that if you want to watch the bonus segment, Five More Minutes with Allison Sintafonte, you can follow the uh, description in the link below and head on over to our Patreon page and, and become a supporter of our ministry. Uh, if you're listening uh, via podcast, uh, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Leave us a review if you're on YouTube. Uh, be sure to subscribe over there as well, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you enjoy the episode. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Help Me Believe. My name is Hayden Clark, your host, and uh, I am excited to introduce my special guest to you. She is the Director of External Affairs at Live Action, a pro-life media movement, and her name is Allison Sintafonte. Allison, how are you doing today? I'm really well. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I'm sure you've got a, a busy schedule there over on the East Coast in D.C. How is it over there? It's good. It's really good. Uh, you know, we're just trying to save the world one day at a time. Yeah. Um, so it's been busy. Yeah. Well, that's great. I've, I've never been to the East Coast, so I don't really know, you know, what it's like or what to expect. It's uh, The weather here in Texas has been pretty crazy. Is it pretty cold or was it warm <laughs> over there? Or what's it like? I have been to Texas. I like Texas. Um, it's been all over the place, honestly. It's, uh, we woke up in the middle of the night last night. Tons of rain, but... April showers bring May flowers, maybe, yeah. so we'll see. So it's not just here that the weather's all kinds of, all sorts of crazy, but. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, for those who are, are not familiar with who you are, maybe you could give us a brief introduction, just kind of who you are, what your background is, and, and what you what you do over at uh, Live Action. Sure, well, thanks. Um, I am 30 years old. I live here outside of Washington, D.C., and I work for a group called Live Action. It's a nonprofit dedicated to ending abortion and supporting women in unplanned pregnancies, and I love the work I am doing. Um, I have stories of abortion in my own family, and I just can see how first learning about the reality of it set me on a trajectory to dedicate my life to it. And 
having met so many women and men that have experienced it really affected me. So I decided that this is what I wanted to talk about, the truth, the reality, the support. Um, before this, I worked at other nonprofits here in D.C., all wonderful. They were all for life. And um, I just loved marketing, communications, the PR around this, right? Because the way we talk about things is the way we feel about things, and that's what the world sees. So um, I think I like to think that I'm involved in media and communications, PR, getting better every day at that, hopefully. And um, I've loved it. I've lived in the city for about seven years since I graduated college and um, did not expect to be a Washington, D.C. person. Yeah. Don't judge me for it, but hopefully I'm trying to. <laughs> Where did you go to college? I actually went to school down at Liberty University. Oh, okay. I went to public school my whole life in New Jersey. And the idea of going to a faith-based school was actually really welcoming. I felt great about it, and I loved my experience down there. So I made some of my best Christian friends and got to struggle with, you know, actually figuring out what Christian community looked like. And this that was actually my first encounter with this issue, Hayden. We invited Nora McCorvey, who's um, Jane Roe in Roe v. Wade, oh, yeah. to come oh, yeah. speak. And I, I mean, I grew up in the church. I thought I was pro-life, but I had never, ever heard a woman talk about what she talked about. And she actually is now pro-life and never had an abortion. She gave her baby up for adoption. And uh, that changed. It was amazing. It was amazing yeah. to hear the stories. And then the, the university, so many people had their stories as well. Um, so oddly enough, I work for a woman named Lila Rose now. And when we had Norma McCorvey down at Liberty, we titled the week um, Rose. <laughs> No connection. Re reclaiming others' sacred existence was our goal to talk about that. Well, that's really awesome. So, wh what exactly is live action? What is the purpose? Um, what's kind of the history, and um, when did you get involved with it? Yeah, it is a really cool story. So, um, it was started by a woman named Lila Rose. Like I said, when she was about fifteen, she was in her parents' um, living room, and she opened a book that showed what an abortion was. She saw a victim of an abortion procedure, and that stuck with her, and she started talking about it with friends. And when she went to college in California, she this followed her, right? She was like, okay, I'm at college. All these women are, a lot of women are sexually active, but there's no one pregnant. What's going on? Mm -hmm. So she went into the health center and asked, kind of said, hey, what if I think I'm pregnant? And they said, well, we'll get you an abortion. Mm -hmm. She goes, surely that's not, this is, this is an outlier. So Lila started going around to other health clinics on campuses and then eventually to Planned Parenthood because they're the largest abortion provider just to see how they counseled pregnant women. And she actually took an undercover camera in. This was before everyone had an iPhone and before right. everyone had a camera. And caught them on camera lying to her about how far along she would be. Um, and they actually got on to her. They kind of knew she was doing it, so she had to get friends to go. And this is the formation of live action is saying, we want to expose the abortion industry for what it is. And it's a profit-based model that doesn't rely on a woman being empowered to make a true and honest informed choice. It involves deception. And so live action grew from that small group of friends exposing the abortion industry. Some of that media picked it up and it started the whole push 
to defund Planned Parenthood, to talk about better options for women. And now we've grown into one of the nation's largest pro-life organizations. Super proud of it. We have almost 4 million followers on social media, almost half a million people on email, following what we're doing every day. Um, and our goal is to end abortion, to expose the abortion industry. And we're doing that by reaching people online. That's where we get our news. That's where we all live, unfortunately. And so that's where you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, every day debating these the issues of the day. And right now it's, it's huge. It's every day there's something going on. I actually just got a text from our social media guy that Bernie Sanders endorsed abortion through birth in a town hall today. So it is in the news and we are excited to be talking about it. Well, that's a that's a that's a neat story of how everything kind of worked out and and how uh, Lila managed to do all that. So, at what how did you become um, affiliated or or acquainted with Lila or Live Action or how did that kind of work out? Yeah. So I've worked with Lila in the past and spoken at different press conferences and stuff. Such I was very impressed by her always. Um, it's really neat when you meet another young woman who's dedicated mm-hmm. and knows exactly what she wants her life to be about and. I joined about a year ago, actually, almost a year ago exactly, and started getting to work on taking these three million people and getting them informed even further mm-hmm. on what happens, because this is what changes people's hearts and minds. We yeah. know, we look at the data, we look at the abortion procedures. When we go out and we ask people, you know, would you consider yourself pro-life, pro-choice, or neither? They automatically usually say, well, pro-choice, or something like, well, I'm personally pro-life, but I don't think I should say if someone else should be pro-life. Like, okay, can you just watch this uh, three-minute video of an abortion procedure and let us know your thoughts? And they're like, great. I've done this in Times Square, and I'm terrified that people are going to, like, throw the iPad down and freak out. They don't. They're really interested. So they put it on the headphones, and they watch a medical animation of what takes place. They watch the whole thing and they're like, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Why, aren't we, why aren't we teaching this in schools? Why don't I know this? Why, you should make sure legislators know this before they vote on this. I mean, it's incredibly eye-opening. And so it's changing people's hearts and minds when they see the procedure. And then secondly, I would say when they see inside the abortion clinic. Mm-hmm. Not many people will go in. Um, Lila has, we have. And when we can talk about how women are treated in there, it changes people's minds. Like, no one should be deceived like that. No one should be pressured. We know most of these women are facing a lot of pressure. And especially for young girls, they're sitting there in a room with someone who looks like a medical doctor saying, you have to do this today. It'll save you money to do this today. And no one, I just spoke with a a really amazing woman this weekend. She said, I was 16. Planned Parenthood refused to show me the ultrasound. They said, I had to do it today. And she she lived with that for the rest of her life. She's just finally now talking about it. So um, we know people we are changing. I think on this issue, I don't know your experience, but people, you assume people already have decided where they are. Right. And that there's no conversation, but we're seeing just the opposite. There, people are so ready to talk about that. Yeah. Well, the the problem, <clears throat> or one of the major reasons uh, that uh, I, I think that abortion continues to uh, happen is because of kind of the hidden nature of it all. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, just literally, you know, the the child is hidden within the mother's 
uh, belly and, and, and all that. And so it's just kind of that idea that, you know, it's easier to commit evil at arm's length or to never see it actually happen, that sort of thing. It's easier to give the command to somebody else to go over there and commit evil. And it's just kind of, and so whenever you expose it like that, it makes, it actually makes a lot of sense to me that, um, not, not forcing these people, you're obviously asking them, but whenever they actually see it and are face to face with the reality, well, now you can't, now you can't pretend like it's hidden. Now you can't pretend like you don't know. Now you know, and you have to make a decision. Right. Yeah. So I think that's exactly what needs to happen, and that's that's incredibly encouraging to hear that that is what's happening, and that it's effective in, in changing people's minds, uh, because the the reality is, um, it's quite dark, and so that's that's it is encouraging to hear. So, um, but some of the language, and you kind of hinted at it already, is, is around this topic is very misleading. Just, I mean, you take the pro-life versus pro-choice, and that's a very um, I mean, it's actually quite smart to use that language of choice because Americans, by and large, value freedom and choice. So that's one of our, you know, leading philosophies and, and what we really value. So, it, but one of the other terms that I often hear that seems to me to be very misleading is this reproductive health. Yeah. And uh, I was wondering if you could speak about how this is. Yeah. They use it as if it is just another, um, like another medical procedure, just going to the doctor to get a checkup on whatever. So can you explain why this this mindset is just wrong-headed altogether? Yeah. Well, I mean, how can you blame anyone for being confused when right now euphemisms rule the day? Yeah. I mean, you have a whole industry talking about things like reproductive health and I mean, I, I just, we just released an op-ed on this. It's like emptying of the uterus. It's just like a period. Um, women's issues. Failing to actually address what we are talking about, right? So any lawyer will tell you, he who defines the language wins. Well, this conversation, like you said, is so deceptive. Because who can't, who's not for reproductive rights? Yeah. Who's not for a woman's right to choose? And we were actually at the United Nations just a few weeks ago. And someone asked us that, point blank. Um, during the panel, it was a commission on the status of women on international health. And there was an amazing panel of women talking about abortion from a health risk uh, angle, as well as just needing to support women in better ways. This is not the answer. When we roll into other countries with our colonial you know, ideas of this will empower you in South Africa if you just have access to birth control and, and abortion. These women are telling us in all over that they want education, housing, schooling, prisons, not, not abortion. It's not the end all be all. But a, a boy reaches out and goes and asks a question. And he said, yeah, well, I hear what you're saying, but what about a woman's right to choose? And Lila Rose goes, to choose what? Mm -hmm. What to choose what? And oftentimes people don't know. They're like, well, I think it dissolves. I mean, the things you hear are the lamest explanations of a medical procedure. And so what we're trying to do is reframe this by enforcing that people talk about what is happening. Um, and, and it's not too harsh. You know, I've heard people say that. Well, isn't it uncomfortable? Yeah, but we're in a world right now, Hayden, where you see, you see cops shooting kids. You see drug addicts overdose. We've all seen these things. Abortion is shrouded in secrecy. It allows the deception to continue. People in my own life have been deceived by it. 
And I think you're starting to sense people are fed up. Mm -hmm. That if you're going to take a stance on this, I want you to know what it is. And then we can have a conversation. But that's why you'll notice our language is always really intentional and we always explain what it is. So if anyone's listening and needs practical tips, I think that's one step, which is we have these amazing videos, abortionprocedures.com, super easy. Go see what it is. See for yourself if you can support this. Yeah, and we'll leave a link in the description for anybody that uh, wants to go there and, and get a hold of those resources. And I'll leave a link in the description for live action and, and all the all the resources that we discuss here uh, today on the podcast. I want to switch gears kind of and uh, focus in on kind of how Christians in the church uh, should think about these things and approach these things. But first, I want to give a patron shout out to our patron of the week, Michael. Thanks so much for your support, Michael, and, and all of our other patrons. We really appreciate um, your support and helping us continue to do things like these and have important conversations. And so thank you so much. Uh, that's the end of my commercial. We're going to get back to our uh, interview here with uh, Allison Sintafonte. Again, she's the Director of External Affairs at Live Action, which is a pro-life uh, media movement that is exposing the lies um, uh, around the uh, uh, topic of abortion and, and Planned Parenthood and things like that that are going on. And uh, we've been discussing these things, and now we're kind of switching gears uh, here to, to discuss how Christians uh, specifically um, and uh, the church should address these things. So there's there's some Christians that I know who uh, think that it is kind of um, their duty to defend a, a woman's right uh, to an abortion. And so can you explain why uh, this is uh, they're they're wrong about this or why this again this kind of thinking is is uh, uh, wrongheaded? Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I've seen people of all backgrounds defend abortion as necessary. And what that tells women is that in order to succeed, I must pit you against your child. Mm -hmm. That in order for you to live and thrive, you must terminate, kill your child. That's not empowering to women. And no woman wants that. And so I think that I'm not sure where they're getting this from because I think the Bible is very clear yeah. that we were made um, with intention and purpose. We were beautifully and wonderfully made. We were known um, before we were born. I, I don't know where they're gathering that in the Bible, but I sense that they're, they've just been infiltrated by this grand marketing scheme that we fund with our tax dollars that's telling us that narrative. Yeah. So I, I get it. I think it's easy to absorb that. But you have to if you're a believer. Look, you don't have to be a believer to be pro-life. Mm -hmm. You can come at this from a scientific perspective. You can look at the medical analysis and say, I want to stand up for life. But surely if you're a believer in, in Christ and the fact that every single life has value and purpose it is made in the image of God, then you should acknowledge that abortion's wrong at all times. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for abortion. And it's an opportunity for us as the church to actually step up and and care for people. Well, you brought up some good things there that uh, I actually didn't put in, in the questions that I sent you, but maybe we can go off on some tangents here because I think these are actually more important than what I had. And so, number one, do, is there actually people who uh, still don't believe that we are talking about a human being when we talk about a fetus, when we talk about a baby? Oh, absolutely. Because, absolutely. because I mean, it's just so obvious given um, you know how much technology has advanced and uh, we, I mean, we can literally see with our own eyes in an ultrasound, right. but this is living and, and human. So they're, this, this, these people still exist. 
Uh, some. They'll, they'll have a more, um, what they'll call, nuanced view, which is they'll acknowledge that it's a life at some point, but surely not at whatever point makes them uncomfortable. So um, I, I think that's another good practical step is when we ask people, okay, so you're pro-choice. Where do you draw the line? Is it at um, birth? Oh, no, 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 not up until birth. Mm-hmm. Okay, then where is it? Uh, you know, and you start moving people towards a direction of acknowledging, like, okay, are you at, at when a baby can feel pain? That's at about five months. Have you seen a five-month pregnant woman? That's she's pretty far along. Yeah, maybe then. Or no, that's still too far. And like, we're moving people along the pro-life spectrum. It's not often done in like one foul swoop. Even like, it's this incremental acknowledgement of the humanity of the preborn child. And you're getting them closer to understanding that life begins at the moment of conception. Mm-hmm. That right at when sperm and I come together, there's unique DNA that is no longer mom or dad. That is unique DNA that starts quickly forming. I mean, it's really beautiful into a human being. And so um, there are still people I think that will have, they claim to be a believer and maybe they'll say, oh, I'm against late trimester abortion, but not first. And you just have to be consistent and you have to just push back and say, well, why, mm-hmm. why, where is life, where does life begin? And if you're, if you don't acknowledge it at conception, you're really going against science um, and, and the Bible, I would say. Yep. Um, another thing you, you mentioned or was that the, that we're still funding this with our tax dollars. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of Americans are, are, pro-life and against this and yet they find themselves continuing to pay taxes to, to a state that is using their money to fund you know what, what what many view as genocide and so how but the the question i have is i don't understand and i think a lot of americans uh sympathize with this or at least, i mean the pro-life americans would sympathize with this that i don't understand how we um we had a republican president Debatable, but we'll just assume that he is an actual conservative Republican for this argument, and a Republican Senate and House after the 2016 election, and yet our tax dollars are still being, are still going towards this, and we feel very disappointed in who we and what we got for what we gave. And a lot of people felt like they were actually compromising on yeah. some of their values to elect this president, and yeah. and so how, why have we not seen more done? Super valid. I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. I, I it's incredibly disappointing to see the lack of leadership, the lack of follow through when people make promises to the American people that they will do something. Um, but that doesn't mean we give up. It doesn't mean we stop. It means we remind people that this is our issue. I mean, I think people are so afraid of being like a one issue person, mm-hmm. and we should all be educated and invested on things that matter. But until we restore this human right, we cannot address the other human rights issues that are happening in our country. I mean, think about it. All of the air is continually sucked out of the room over this issue. Mm -hmm. And and we need to end this. We, We, Mother Teresa said, the greatest destroyer of peace in our world is abortion. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on the other side of Mother Teresa. <laughs> no, but it really is fundamental also because if if they're not life or if we don't view them as human beings, I don't know why we would suddenly 
view each other as human beings just because we're outside the womb. And so if this is our morale, if this is our moral that we're, 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 how we're going to view the unborn, I don't, I mean, it seems pretty logical that we would view each other the same way. And this is obviously would have yeah. extremely negative effects. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, why care about, um, and I don't want to be callous, but I, I hear all these arguments and, and it just, the, there's no consistency where it's, why care about the child at the border? Why? Because they're needy. They're in. They're they're dependent, right? Why care about the environment? Well, because we live in it and we're dependent. Like, use the sled test. Like, size your level of dependency. Your um, location should not determine what your value in the world. We don't do that. We don't want to be a society that does that. Yet we treat the preborn child as though because they're dependent on their mother and society for support because they're small, because they don't contribute much, that they are not worthy of protection. And um, I just, I want to be careful because there's some, there's likely women listening that are post-abortive and I I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge like Mm -hmm. that there's healing and there's forgiveness and that um, you're not alone in this at all. And the devil would like to make you think that you're the only person to go through this and you're not. Um, And heaven's going to be sweet to meet these babies. I mean, how beautiful. Um, But right now, here on this earth, we need those stories. We need those testimonies of what it was like. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was reading an article today about William Wilberforce, and it was the stories of the trial and tribulation of slaves that changed people's view of black people. We, we can't stay silent in the face of injustice. We have to say this is what took place. That's the only way that history changes. Um, and I think it will. You know, this, the polls are good. They're showing that people are moving more pro-life, mm-hmm. particularly young people under the age of 45 and Democrats. Um, the veil is off right now. Look, I'm, I'm not, we're, we're bipartisan. We'll work with anybody. But the Democrat Party supports abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. And every single presidential candidate, no one has spoken out against that. Mm-hmm. And we're waiting. I'm actually inviting them all to come speak with us. If anyone would like to have any sort of deviation from the Democrats' platform, please come talk to us. We will highlight it to 4 million people. Yeah. But so far, it hasn't happened. Wow. So what But uh, we were talking about if people still actually held to the view that we're not actually talking about a human being. I think that probably is a minority view by now, surely. But what I often hear is that uh, whether they're alive or not, they're not protected by the law. That uh, they're not recognized. I don't know what the argument actually is. Is the argument... Like this is all the land. Yeah, is it that they're not protected by you know the Constitution or whatever, therefore they're disposable? Is that really yeah. the argument? Oh, yeah. We've heard a lot of that. It, this is the law of the land. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, let's not forget that just because something is legal doesn't mean it's right. Yeah. Slavery was once legal in our country. Dred Scott is a Supreme Court case that was wrong. Like, the Supreme Court does not get to be the arbiter of what's right and wrong. Just because something's legal doesn't mean it's right. And right now, abortion is legal in our country, thanks to Roe v. Wade and its companion case, Doe v. Bolton. But that doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it has to stay law forever. So, so how, I, I think that's a cop. I think that's a big cop out. 
yeah. So people, often, you're talking about Roe v. Wade. People often talk about overturning this. How does that actually come about? What would even the process be for seeing something like that even happen? Sure. So thanks for bringing it up because there's like a lot of misconception that if Roe v. Wade was overturned, abortion would be automatically illegal everywhere, and 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 that's it. And that's not the truth. If Roe v. Wade was overturned, you would see it be returned back to the states, and states would get to decide on abortion law in their state. So some states, probably like Texas, would be very pro-life in their regulations on the industry. Maybe they would outlaw it altogether. Um, maybe they would just start by ensuring health and inspections of these clinics, which isn't currently happening. Common sense things like making sure a woman can have access to her ultrasound or a 24 waiting period, 24 hour waiting period. All of these things that slow this down and help a woman to see the reality of life, Th that might happen. Maybe they'll end it after heartbeat. But you'll see states like New York put it in, codify it into state law and say, we are going to support it through all nine months. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of shows you why people and states are taking the moves they are now. Because in anticipation of Roe v. Wade being overturned, they want to take this time and put it in their state law where they stand. So um, uh, overturning Roe v. Wade would not be the end-all, be-all. The pro-life movement presumably would not be um, satisfied with the decision going back to the states because, like you said, the state of New York and you know presumably California and other uh, states like this would still have the uh, make it legal for this to be done. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one option. There's a couple of different legal options that could happen, but if the conversation won't end, if that's what you're asking, yeah. if it was overturned tomorrow, we still have a job to do, yeah. and we still have to educate and explain and support women. Mm -hmm. um, if the Supreme Court did want to find personhood and grant personhood to the preborn child, that'd be amazing. Mm -hmm. um, we would still probably see legal fights, we have organizations out there that are funded by us, like we said. They get $1.5 million every day, Planned Parenthood alone. And imagine what you and I could do with $1.5 million. How many women I could support? How many kids I could send to school? I mean, it's amazing. And this is an organization, let me say, that doesn't do mammograms when one in, I think it's one in six women will face breast cancer at some point. They do not provide any sort of fertility treatment for women if you're struggling to get pregnant. Their pap smears are down, their manual breast exams are down, cancer screenings are down. The thing that's up is abortion and our federal funding. So when you think Planned Parenthood, you should think abortion. And, and I'm so ready for them to be defunded so we can redirect those dollars to better options for women. Mm -hmm. You don't walk into a Planned Parenthood empowered. You walk into it feeling alone and like you have no other choice. Yeah. So I, I want to switch gears here and uh, focus on you know something you've mentioned over the course of this interview, which is which mm -hmm. is the the mothers and the women uh, who have actually um, had abortions and, and and unfortunately suffered through this as well. And mm -hmm. so uh, one thing that I I hear a lot is that uh, a lot of some people who who would uh, self proclaim as pro life find themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, feeling a tug of wanting to vote, um, you know, 
for people who are actually pro-choice for Democrats, just to be you know frank, for voting for Democrats because they think that their social and uh, uh, you know their policies around economics and stuff will actually provide a better environment for mothers and women, and therefore they won't feel the need to have uh, an abortion and things like that. Now, I obviously uh, think that that this is a false dichotomy that we don't have to choose between, but. The point is taken. Sometimes we, I know I get, you know, kind of heated and excited, not excited, but heated about this and uh, kind of focus on the legal aspect of it or the philosophical and moral aspect of it. And uh, I'm sure that can come across as condemning, but that's never been my intention. And uh, so what actually can we do um, uh, from a social uh, fabric kind of point of view to help women and help and empower women and mothers so that they never feel because again we were talking about the deceptiveness of the language pro-choice i've never known a woman to have an abortion because she felt like she had choices or options it's always been like a last resort she didn't really want to but she didn't see any way out of it so what can we do as a society uh you know just just human beings coming together what can we do for these women yeah, you're touching on something that's big right now in politics, and it's tempting. You're seeing a lot of it in the evangelical church, actually, for women to just come alongside these these men who promise birth control and free daycare and maternity leave and all of these things, but they are still pro-abortion. And I get it. It is tempting. I get it. But I relate it to this. If this person cannot acknowledge science and life, what else are they ignoring? This to me is the an issue that is incredibly black and white. And when they try and deceive by saying, well, we gotta solve these other things first. You know, we gotta lower crime so people want to bring a child into the world. We've got to make better schools and daycare so pe- women wanna have kids. Like. In my mind, I just wish I was back there, like I said, with William Wilberforce, when he's talking about ending slavery and people bring up some asinine outside argument like, yeah, but what are they going to do for work if we just free them? Mm-hmm. I mean, what? who's going to farm? I mean, don't you think we should just make robots to farm first before we free the slaves? Like, no way. An injustice is happening and the injustice of every, we will work on the other thing. This is about ending a great evil every day. At Planned Parenthood alone, 3,000 babies are being killed. I mean, that's the sense of urgency, and you talked earlier about it, but sheer numbers alone, we should demand that from our politicians and leaders, that this is their priority mm-hmm. to end it. And sure, I'm for supporting women in other ways. We can have those dialogues and those discussions, but you cannot claim to be pro-life and still support abortion. You can't. No. Absolutely. So uh, thanks so much for doing the interview and coming to my last uh, question here. Of course, if you're listening and you want to uh, listen or watch the bonus segments, you can follow the link in the description over to the Patreon page and watch the uh, five more minutes uh, with uh, Allison Centifonte. And uh, it's been so great having you on. But before you go, I wanted to ask you, uh, there may be uh, women in the audience listening to this, I don't know, who have either had an abortion or been affected by this some way. And so... If you could say one thing to them, what would it be? You're so loved. You're so known. And nothing surprises God. Um, 
I get emotional because there's people in my life that have shared it with me and only with me. And so I take it really seriously that you, what you've been through. And I just encourage you to find someone to talk to about it. Um, it's something to talk to God about. It's something to talk to someone you trust about because I think the devil wants to use this as an Achilles heel. And I, I sense he holds on to women in this little thing that can destroy your confidence. Um, and I, I just want you to know that before God, we're all broken and we've all sinned. And one might feel bigger than another. But before God, we've all sinned. And so we're all in the same boat and we're all seeking healing and we're all seeking redemption. And so that's my, that, that's what I would say. And I mean it 110%. To us, gosh, abortion is big and great evil, and it is. But before God, isn't that the craziest idea that we're all fallen? That, that that's not something he didn't know he was going to die for? It's amazing. It's such, it's grace. It's grace upon grace. So that's what I would, I would pursue you to, to, um, Talk about, and also there's ministries out there. One right off the top of my mind is Rachel's Vineyard. Does retreats across the country. Um, there are amazing books and online um, podcasts that can help you through healing and thinking through this, this trauma that took place. And so don't, don't, I don't want to lessen the wall that you have to climb to get there, but you're not alone in it. And there's so many ways to, to get on the other side of this um, and be strong and empowered and, and sharing. So, no one else goes through what you went through and no one else is deceived like you are deceived. Well, Allison, thank you so much uh, for being uh, willing to come on and talk about uh, such a difficult uh, subject. It's unfortunate that we even have, uh, feel the need to have conversations like these. But uh, again, thank you so much. And uh, again, if you're listening, stick around for the five more minutes with uh, Allison Centifante in the bonus segment. Allison, thank you so much and have a great day. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, be sure to hit the like button, subscribe, leave us a review on the podcast. If you want to watch the bonus segment, Five More Minutes with Allison Centifante, be sure to follow the Patreon link in the description below and ha- and become a supporter of our ministry for as little as a dollar a month. And thanks so much for joining us, guys. We'll see you next time.